Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, uh, here and across the campuses, you can go ahead and take a seat. Man, what a good day it's already been today. Man, I'm telling you, I'm excited about today. And listen, um, we know it's summer, so some of you are watching this on vacation right now. Uh, Some of you are listening to this, maybe on the way back from vacation. Those of you here in the room across the campuses, 12 Stone Home, man, I'm excited for where we get to go today. Because this summer, I'm telling you, this summer's been great. Last week, we wrapped up three weeks where we talked about Revelation and cheeseburgers, and it was awesome. Okay, so if you don't know what we're talking about, go catch up. And then next week, guys, I'm so excited about next week. Next week, we start a brand new series called Hymns, and it's all about passing faith from one generation to the next. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to want to be here. It's just we got some cool things planned. Okay, but for today, today, Jason and I were talking about, man, what are we going to talk about today? And we wanted to get really practical, Right? Like we want to talk about the here and now. So today we're going to talk about a topic that really all of us can relate to, all of us deal with. So to kind of launch into it, let me ask you a question. Um, how many of you have ever felt your phone vibrating, but then when you pull your phone out, you realize it wasn't actually vibrating at all? Anyone ever felt that? Yeah. Do you know it has a name? It's called phantom vibration syndrome. And we all have it, apparently, okay? So, all right, here's another question. How many of you instinctively grab your phone on the way to the bathroom? Okay, be honest. Come on, it's a safe place. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, But yeah, uh, we do it, don't we? By the way, what do we do before phones? Do we just stare at the bathroom stall door? You know what I mean? It must have been so boring. Uh, Way cleaner, but anyways. Okay, Um, final question. Uh, How many of you... Uh, right now, just checked your phone because of the noise that you heard over the speaker. Just, it's okay. It's cool. We got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your phone's not buzzing. Maybe it is. I don't know. See, isn't it weird? Even in the middle of a sermon, even in the middle of church, we can't help but check this. We can't help but look at it. I mean, we've got an interesting relationship with technology, which is why today, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about Technology. Now, let me say this right off the bat, okay? Technology is amazing. I mean, what you can do with your phone and computer and watch even is outstanding. Like, my brother and his wife, they live in New Orleans. And the other day, I clicked a button, and I got to see them face-to-face. We got to have a real-life conversation, all because of technology. It's amazing. Not only that, I have a robot at our house that vacuums the floors for us. Right? And those of you like me that grew up watching the Jetsons, it's like Rosie the Robot, you know? It's like, who knew that we'd have that? It's, man, it's incredible. In fact, and listen, technology is so good. Right now, you are listening to this message because of technology. Okay? So technology is amazing. But, and you know this, right? There's a flip side to the coin. Like, um, technology allows us to connect with people like never before. And yet, statistically, we are more lonely than ever before. I mean, you know, with technology, you have the chance to reunite with friends and family. Yet as a country, we are more divided than we've ever been. 
right? Techno Listen, technology saves us so much time, and yet it's also the leading cause of wasted time. And because of technology, I am more culturally aware than I've ever been. And yet as a culture, we are more anxious and depressed than we've ever been. So what do we do? Right, what do we do with technology? Or to ask it in kind of a churchy way, how should Christians use technology? That's where we're going today. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, uh, I still think you're going to want to lean in because a lot of what we're talking about is just really practical. And I think it's going to go better for you in general. Okay, so this is the question. Now, let me start off with just two quick caveats. Okay, the first one is this. Technology is not inherently good or bad. And we already kind of, you know, talked about that. Okay. So if you're hoping for a sermon where I'm like, put all your phones in the middle of the room, we're going to burn them and move out to the country. Okay. That's not, that's not this sermon. Okay. In fact, listen, God is redemptive by nature. So he takes even what other people use for evil and he turns it for good. I mean, remember you are listening to a Christian sermon right now because of technology. Okay. So not inherently good or bad. The second thing is really important. <clears throat> is Paul did not have Instagram, okay? And neither did the disciples. And you're like, well, no, duh. Okay, well, here's why I bring that up, okay? Um, normally, when we're asking questions about how we should live, we look at Scripture, right? It's God's Word. But there are no verses in Scripture that say, thou shall not have social media, okay? Or like, spendeth no more than three hours on a screen per day, okay? That just doesn't exist. But here's what does exist. There are principles in Scripture that when you lay them on top of technology, you're able to discover how we should actually use the technology that we have. And so to start us off, I'm going to give one really big principle, and it's going to kind of guide the entire day. And um, these are two really famous verses. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard these verses before, especially if you've grown up in this church, man, these, I'm telling you, these verses are so important. They talk about how we live our life and they actually talk about how we use technology. Okay. So the uh, verses is Romans 12, one and two. This is, this is what it says. Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, which means in light of everything that God has done for us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, here's what, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying um, what we used to do, our true and proper worship used to be that you'd take a lamb or a goat or a bull and you'd put it on the altar and you'd sacrifice it. And that was your true and proper worship. But now, because of God's great love for us, because of what Jesus did for us, the stakes are actually higher. Now we don't go, you know, we don't go to God and say, God, I give you my lamb. We say, God, I give you my life. We say, God, in light of everything that you've done, all of my life, every minute of my day is worship to you. And so the way that I handle marriage and the way that I handle parenting and finances and my job and free time and the way that I handle technology is worship to you, which means, listen, Everything is spiritual. So what we're talking about today is not a technology issue. It's a spiritual issue. Okay. And then he gets even more specific to talk about what this actually looks like for us. Here's what he says. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's one of the big things he's getting at. He's saying, everyone, everyone, okay? You, me, your aunt, everyone is formed by something. And you're either conformed to the world or you're transformed by God. But make no mistake about it, okay? You and I are being formed. And listen, this is playing a part in our formation, meaning the way that we use this is forming us to either being more like Jesus or less like Jesus, okay? This is a, this is a big, big deal. So um, I'm actually reading a book right now called Habits of the Household, and the author, he, he, he gets at this point, and he says it way more eloquently than I could. Here's what he says. He says, we are formed in the image of what we habitually gaze at. The habits of our hearts follow the habits of our phones. Meaning we are formed, and this is playing a part in our formation for better or for worse. And about six years ago, I realized that this device was forming me. And if I can just be honest with you, I didn't love what it was forming me to be. I was more, um, more anxious, more distracted, my approval hanging on every like, and I just you know, like I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, there's got to be a better way. And maybe, you know, if you and I were to sit down together and I were to ask you, hey, do you like what this is doing to you? Maybe you too would say, not really. So today I want to ask three questions relating to how this is forming us to see if maybe we can leverage this and use this to be formed to be more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. So here's the three questions. Um, how is technology forming my priorities? That's a big one. How is technology forming my worth? And then how is technology forming my kids? So the first one, how is technology forming my priorities? By the way, priority, it's the thing you put in first place, right? It's the thing that, you know, um, honestly, you know when it's a priority because you spend time on it. Uh, like I could tell you that I've got a priority of staying fit and working out. But if I never spend any time at the gym, then it's clearly not a priority for me, right? Uh, and the guys that I work out with at the gym will tell you, it's not a priority for Steve right now, okay? And that's okay. Because you know when something is a priority based on the time that you spend on it. And listen, we spend a lot of time with these devices, which means technology is forming what we prioritize. Here's a few quick stats. The average American spends seven hours looking at a screen every day, okay? That's computer screen, that's phone, that's TV, just average of seven hours. And four and a half of those hours is with your phone. The majority of the time is actually in front of your phone. And two and a half of those hours is on social media. And this is average, by the way. And what I know about you and I is, come on, we're above average people, aren't we? Right? We spent a lot of we spent a lot of time with this. Like, I remember there was a time when my phone was the very first thing I looked at in the morning, and it was the very last thing I looked at uh, before going to bed. 
which, which is kind of weird when you think about it, right? It's like I'd be laying in bed next to Catherine, and I'm like, good night, Catherine, and hello, beautiful phone. You know, that's weird, but that's what I did. And then it was the first thing I looked at in the morning. In fact, I would, I would tell myself, maybe you've told yourself this too, it helps me wake up, right? I've, you know, it's hard to wake up, but it helps me wake up. So I would open up my phone, and immediately I would look at email, or, you know, kind of catch up on work stuff that I missed, or I would open up Twitter and catch up on the headlines, and I'd, or I'd open up Instagram or Facebook and see what my friends are up to. And that, that was my like, hey, this actually helps me. If it's the first thing I look at, I, you know, start waking up and kind of realizing what's happening in the world around me. It was the first thing, which by the way, come on, if it's the first thing I'm looking at, it's a priority for me. See, I didn't even realize it, but I was putting it in first place. See, when I woke up and the first thing I looked at was email, I was prioritizing achievement, accomplishment, and ambition. When the first thing I looked at was social media, I was prioritizing comparison and envy. And when the first thing I looked at was news headlines, Twitter, I was prioritizing anger and anxiety. And it was impacting me. And it wasn't just when I woke up, it, y'all, it was all day. Like I would, I would look at my phone when I'm with family. I'd look at my phone on dates with Catherine. I would even, this is so embarrassing, but we're friends. So I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, I would check my email in the shower. Isn't that weird? I see you judging me. Okay. It's a, Hey, you take your phone to the bathroom. Okay. At least I've got soap. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> I was spending so much time with this thing. And listen, the question is not how much time do I spend. The question is, is this making my priorities better or worse? Am I getting more productive or less productive? Am I more happy with who I'm becoming or less? See, there's so much we can do with technology. But one of the questions I wasn't asking was, but is it good? Is it good for me? Just because I can, right? In fact, there's, a, there's this incredible verse in Scripture that speaks specifically to this. It's Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. Here's what he says. I have the right to do anything, which if I can, you know, he was quoting them, and if I could kind of modern-day language would be like, there's so much you can do, right? You can almost do anything. I have the right to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. And he says it again. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Here's what he's saying. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And this lets us do so much, but come on, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I might even add, just because you can doesn't mean it's good. I mean, technology, come on. It lets me check my email in the shower. Look what I can do. Okay, yeah, that's true. But is it good for me? I can, I can reconnect with friends on my phone while I'm sitting at the table with my family. Sure, I can do that, but is it good for my family? I can wake up, and the first thing I do is immediately realize what's happening in the world around me. Of course I can do that, but is that beneficial? Is it helping me? Is it helping my priorities? And then he actually goes on and he says, I will not be mastered by anything. But come on, if you looked at the way that I used my phone, it was clear who the master was. So I had to ask myself this question. Am I controlling my phone or is my phone controlling me? 
Because every time my phone would buzz or ding or light up, y'all, I would grab that phone so fast. In other words, I wasn't deciding when to use my phone. My phone was telling me when to use my phone. So am I controlling my phone? Or is my phone controlling me? It was clear that someone was in control and it was not me. Almost, and I know this is a strong word, but almost like an addiction, like a moth to the flame. I couldn't help but reach for it. And so I realized in this moment, my priorities aren't what I want them to be. Life isn't going the way I want it to be. And I knew something had to change. So I, I did two things. And the first one's a little crazy. Uh, the first thing I did was uh, I bought an alarm clock. Do you know they still make those, by the way? They still make alarm clocks. And yeah, I said, I'm tired of this thing being the first thing that I look at because it's actually not helping me. So I instituted a bedtime for my phone. We put our kids to bed every night, and I also put my phone to bed every night. So what I do is I take my phone. You can ask Catherine. I plug it in in the living room, and then I go to the bedroom. And then when I wake up in the morning, I don't immediately go to my phone. The first thing I do is I make coffee because coffee is a priority for me, okay? And I realize you can make coffee without your phone. Did you know that? That's crazy. Anyways, so, I, so the first thing I do is I make coffee, and then the next thing I do is I spend some time reading Scripture and praying because faith is a priority for me. And I wasn't living out faith as a priority for me. I was living out Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or email as a priority for me. And I said, no, God, you need to be the first thing that I that I talk to, the first thing that I look at in the morning. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't you know, do this because you know, some super Christian. I did this because I was out of control. I did this because something had to change. And the next thing I did um, was, and this was about maybe four years ago, um, was I turned off notifications. And some of you may have heard that advice before, but come on, I'm telling you, it is a game changer. Because when you turn off notifications, you know what happens? Your phone isn't buzzing and dinging and lighting up all the time, which means you get to be in control and you decide when to reach for your phone. Your phone doesn't tell you when to reach for it. And um, just full transparency, my phone call app, I still have notifications on my text messaging app. I still have notifications on, but honestly, that one I'm even debating. And then um, I've got a few security notifications. Everything else is turned off, including email. Notifications off. And maybe you've got an app that you're like, well, no, I need to have this one on for work. Okay, that's fine. But I'm telling you, the majority of apps, you can turn off notifications. Because come on, do you really have to know the moment someone tags you in a photo? Like, do you have to know that second? You know what I mean? And so I realized I can turn off notifications so that I'm in control of my phone. My phone is not in control of me. Or if I can say it a different way, I'm using my phone. My phone isn't using me. See, we talk a lot about find freedom. And normally when we talk about freedom from addiction. We talk about freedom from addiction from, you know, uh, like alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever. But maybe, maybe today God's inviting you to find freedom from this. Because maybe if we could just be honest, we would say, this is the master. I'm not the master. So maybe God's inviting you to make this not the first thing you see in the morning and not something that you're constantly checking because it's telling you to check it. 
And I'm telling you, when I'd, when I'd made this shift and I'd no longer had these notifications going off all the time, you know what happened? I could breathe again. I got to focus on the things I wanted to focus on. Y'all, I'm telling you, it was like magic. My priorities began to shift to not what I wished was true, but what actually was true of my life. So that's the first one. How is technology forming my priorities? The second one is how is technology forming my worth? And I'll just kind of cut to the chase. It is forming our worth. It is forming the way that we see ourselves, specifically social media. Remember that, um, quote, the habits of our hearts follow the habits of our phones. I'm telling you, it's changing how, how we actually see ourselves. In fact, a few quick stats to kind of prove that. Um, the average American, again, we already said this, spends about two and a half hours a day on social media. Here's the next sobering statistic. A 5,000-person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported declines in mental health, physical health, and life satisfaction. And the last one, depression, hospitalizations for self-harm and suicide rates amongst teens were all stable till around 2012, and then they skyrocketed. And by the way, that clinical psychologists are looking at this 2012 moment, and they are blown away. They're saying, we've never seen anything like this before. In fact, here's the graph that actually goes along with that one. And you know what happened um, between 2011-2012, uh, Instagram went from 1 million users to 30 million users. And social media took off. And so did our mental health crisis. See, it is forming our worth the way that we view ourselves. And by the way, come on, this isn't just a symbol. We want other people to like us and share us. Or let me just, I'll just go first. I love it when you comment on my photos. <laughs> I love it when you like. I love it when you share. Oh my gosh. When you see a photo of my kids and you tell me what a good dad I am. I love it. That it feels so good. When you comment on like a sermon and you put the fire emoji, it's great. Oh man. That makes me feel, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> too good, too good, because then when you don't comment or you don't share or God forbid you like another pastor, <laughs> well, when that happens, all of a sudden my self-worth plummets because I go, well, what did I do wrong? And what did I say wrong? And how did I not? Do, what, what's wrong with me? And my worth goes on the seesaw. And it's all based on what you say. And it, come on, this is what we do, right? It's, I mean, it's not just students. And I don't think it's just me. I think we throw our self-worth at these apps and we're looking for our friends and family and sometimes people we don't even know to validate us and to tell us that we're worth something. And what's crazy is Jesus didn't do that. Now, again, you're, you know, arguing with me and you're like, well, he didn't have, you know, Instagram. He didn't have, you know, these algorithms working against him. You're right. He didn't have that. But here's what he did have. Followers. And a lot of them. 
In fact, there are these moments where it's like followers are bringing followers are bringing followers. And if it was modern day, then Jesus would have been going viral and people are like liking and subscribing and smash that notification bell. You know, it's like they loved him. And they, he got so popular. And what's awesome is there's this moment where the apostle John sees Jesus getting so popular and he adds a footnote about what was happening in the heart of Jesus. And this line has been so convicting for me. This is what the apostle John writes as he's getting popular. He says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus is saying, no, listen, they're celebrating me today. Tomorrow they might cancel me, and then they're going to crucify me. No, I don't need their opinion about me. I don't need their approval of me. I don't need to entrust myself to them. I need to entrust myself to the only one who is worthy to tell me what I am worth, because when I have his approval, I don't need their approval. And that's the way that Jesus lived. See, Jesus decided, and he was determined in this. I will not, and I won't let their words determine my worth. The things they say about me, the likes and the, you know, all, all, all the comments, they don't decide what I'm worth. God does. I'm not going to let them dictate my approval. God does. But I just being honest, that's hard for me. And I realized that this was this seesaw of approval was happening. And so I, I tried a lot of things. I tried putting my social media apps in a folder on another page. I heard that helps, you know, because it's more difficult to get to it. So you're less likely to use it. The problem was my muscle memory was amazing. I could just swipe and click on it so fast. I mean, so I was like, well, that doesn't work. And then I was like, oh, I know what I'll do because I heard time limits were really good. So I was like, I'm going to set a time limit so that when I hit it, then I know, you know, and the problem was I would hit the time limit and it was like, you've reached your time limit. And I was like, no, I haven't. And then I would just keep, I would keep using it. And um, <laughs> so finally, about three years ago, uh, I said, all right, I got to quit cold turkey. And so I took all social media apps off my phone. And, you know, I still have the accounts, but they're not on my phone. And I thought, honestly, I was like, I'm gonna do this for a few months to, it's like, let me detox and then I'll kind of get back into it. Y'all, it's been three years and I haven't put them back on my phone. You know why? Because <laughs> I like your approval way too much. And that's not good for me. And it's really not good for me to have your approval of me on my hip at all times. So I said, I, I, I can't, I can't have it. Maybe you can, I can't. Because I need God's help. Remembering that he approves of me. Even if you don't. He tells me I'm worth something. Even if I think you don't. And so it's not good for me to have it on my phone. And maybe God's leaning in to you right now. And he's, he's inviting you to do the same thing. 
to make the same. Listen, if Jesus would not entrust himself to them, maybe we shouldn't either. Maybe we shouldn't let their words determine my worth. And maybe for some of you, a time limit is all you need. Maybe for some of you, you know, it's like you got to have accountability. And so maybe there's a person that can speak into that, can monitor that for you. Maybe for some of you, I'm not, I'm not saying this is all of you. I'm just saying maybe for some of you, it's just best to get it off your phone. But I would encourage you, whatever God is leaning in, just say yes. Say, okay, God, I trust you. Because it is forming our worth. And we've got to be careful. Okay, so the last one. Uh, how's it, you know, forming my priorities? How's it forming my worth? And the last one is, how's it forming my kids? And I would add this too. How is technology forming my grandkids? Right? Because it's, it's forming our kids. And I think you know that. A lot of us know that, right? It's like, that's why we limit screen time. That's why we're talking about it. It's like intuitively we know it's doing something to our kids. Right? Um, and so I'm not going to put a bunch of stats on the you know, screen because we all kind of know this, right? I just would add one thing. Whatever it's doing to you, it's doing to them more. And the reason is their, their brains are still being developed, right? They're not fully cooked yet, okay? And so it's like before they're full, it's like, you know, if, if it's hard for us, it's going to be even harder for them. It is forming our kids at an alarming rate. And we already know this, okay? So instead of putting the stats on the screen, let me just talk to you kind of parent to parent. Because um, I know <laughs> it's hard it's hard being a parent. It is. I mean, I've got, I got three kids. I got three boys. And what we learned last week is I got three bobcats, right? And they're running around the house and they're crazy and they're screaming and they're bumping into each other and crying and breaking stuff. Okay. And there's only one thing that can pacify them. A screen. Oh, it's like magic, y'all. It's amazing. They could be going wild, and we sit them in front of the TV, and we've got peace. Oh, man. It's amazing. It is. Okay, so I get it. I get it. All I want to do today is just, is just recognize it is forming our kids. Okay? And we've got to be not only aware of that, but we've got to play an active role in training our kids. Because it is forming them just like it's forming us, and we got to help train them. And that word train, by the way, it comes from Scripture. Here's, you've probably heard this verse before, but um, it's, it's, it's a proverb from Solomon. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. And that language is so specific. you got to train. you got to walk with them. you got to train them how to do this. In the way he should go, and then when he is old, when he leaves the house, when he can buy an iPhone on his own, he will not depart from it. Okay, and as parents, we're used to training, right? We train with sight words and baseball practice and your grades. We trade with, you know, manners. All I'm saying is we got to be active about training them with, with technology, which means because we're training them, it would be a mistake to guard our kids and to make sure that they are never, ever, ever around technology. And then, because here's what would happen. 
When they turn 18, the floodgates will open, and then they are bombarded by all technology, and they have not been trained for it. So it would not be a good idea to do that. On the other hand, it also would not be good to hand an iPhone to an infant, right? So it's like somewhere in between these two, we have to train our kids and our grandkids so that they know how to use this, and they know that it's forming them. So I want to share, uh, I'll call it like a development plan for kind of kids of all ages. And just so you know, this isn't my opinion. There's a lot of research that's gone into this. In fact, I'll just go ahead and show you my notes ahead of time. Um, These are some of the people that, um, not all of them, these are some of them. So if you want to, you can take a picture of it so you can see this is where I'm borrowing from. And um, these are experts in their field. These are clinical psychologists and behavioral studies and pediatricians and Christian counselors who take Um, principles from scripture and then child development. And they merge the two and they say, how should we do this? Because we have to train our kids with technology. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, that's them. Um, The other thing I'll say, and then I'm going to show it to you um, is this is not from the Bible. Okay. Cause remember there's no Bible verse that say thou shalt not have an iPad. Okay. That just does not exist. Instead, again, this is our best guess based on biblical principles and child development. Okay, so here it is. So first, we're going to talk about the early years. Okay, so um, in, the, in the early years, what we're doing is we're introducing educational technology, right? And so there's a caution around TV because you don't want to rush them into TV and you want to limit the amount of time that they spend in front of the TV. But if they're going to look at TV, then, you know, education like uh, Daniel Tiger or Bluey, I'm a keepy-uppy expert, okay? Bluey fans, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, so, so it's like, you know, just a little bit of that. Uh, and then no tablet, no phone, and obviously no social media. Um, by the way, if your two-year-old has a social media account, let's talk after service. Um, I'd be, uh, actually, I want to meet him. He probably has more followers than I do. Anyways, all right, so no social media, you know, none of that. That's pretty simple. All right, next one, uh, elementary years. By the way, you find your kid, and then, you know, feel free to take a picture uh, if this is helpful. Um, Now we got a little bit more of a green light with uh, TV, and what we're doing is we're actually training them with reward technology. What I mean is, you know, when you, you, you know, do your chores, you clean your room or good grades or whatever, then the reward is you get to use technology, because let's be honest, technology is a reward for us. Okay, so we're helping them see that. So a little bit more of a green light, but still it's a reward and it has limits. And then no tablet, no phone, no social media. Now, I say no tablet and I know you're drafting up the email right now. You're like, but Steve, you know, and you're like ready to do that. Here's here's the reason. um, No tablet. It's not my opinion. It's the expert's opinion. And without getting too technical, There's something about having a handheld device. There's something about touch response. There's something about, you know, holding it 12 inches away from your face and the tiny pixels and the bright colors that makes it way more addictive than a TV screen. And by the way, all screens are addictive. Okay, this is why we struggle with it. But there's something about a tablet that's just even more addictive. So all we're saying here is if you've got a choice between a TV and a tablet, throw it up on the TV. That's the recommendation because, again, we're training our kids with how to use this. Okay, next one is uh, the tween years. Now, again, we got the green light with uh, TV, and what we're doing is we're training practical technology. So we still got limits. Um, Caution, 
So at this point, it's like caution, tablet. You can introduce it to them, but remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's like, let's just delay it as long as we can, okay? And then uh, I put dumb phone there. Uh, what I mean by dumb phone is just not a smartphone. And I've, 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 I've talked to a lot of you that like, you know, you've got, you've got your kids in sports and it's like, but how are we going to know when to pick them up? Okay. And I get it. Here's the thing. They don't need this to call you to pick them up. And so I, I've, I've actually a lot of friends, even some family that even with their high schooler, they gave them a dumb phone, meaning you can call and you can text and that's it because we're training them with how to actually use this as a practical tool. Okay, so no um, smartphone, no social media. Okay, now the last one. These are the later years. And by the way, this, this is the last chance you get before they're off and running. Meaning when they're 18 and they're out of the house, they're probably going to have one of these, probably going to sign up for social media. So it, at this point, we are training this, the final stage of training them so that when they are older, they know what to do. So again, green light with TV, green light with tablet. Again, all of this is still with limits. And then you got a caution around smartphone. And by the way, the caution is not like, you know, when they turn 14, give them a smartphone. Happy birthday to you. Here you go. You know, it's like, we're not saying that. We're just saying at this point, you can. That's what the experts would, would recommend. And then a big old caution, a big old caution around social media. And the reason, I mean, one reason, there's so many reasons. One reason is, you know, the people that like invented um, these technologies and these, and these apps and the founders and the executives, you know what's crazy? They're, that's right. Their kids don't have social media. So if the people who designed it don't think it's good for their kids, maybe we should take a step back and proceed with caution. And students, let me talk to you for a second. Okay, because I know. You're like, I know, but my friends are on there, and that's how we connect. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm 38 years old, and I think I'm pretty mature. You, you might be more mature than I am, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. And I can't handle having social media on my phone. So if it's a struggle for me, maybe, maybe there's... There's a reason to proceed with caution, or if I can just get in your business even more. How's your anxiety? How's your depression? And if it's not good, maybe there's a link here. That's why we're saying just please proceed with caution. Delay it as long as you can. Okay? And then last thing um, we want to do, just to kind of wrap it up, I want to give some best practices um, for really for all ages, okay? First one is delay devices, social media as long as possible. Again, we don't want to rush into it. Uh, Screen-free places and times. This one's huge. Have places in your home that are screen-free. The first one is the bedroom. That's a big one. No screens in the bedroom. Okay, that's what the experts would recommend. No screens in the bedroom and no screens at the dinner table, which means what are we going to do at dinner time? Well, we're going to sit around without our screens and be bored like a normal family, okay? That's, that's what we're going to do for dinner time. Okay, so, so again, screen-free places so we can actually connect with one another and screen-free places so that you don't have it. Y'all, the sleep studies have shown our kids are not getting enough sleep, and this is, this is one, one big reason for it. Um, the other one right here is have a charge location in a public place. This is for accountability. 
so that we're all putting our phones, all putting our tablets in one location. So by the way, the, the students, your students, your kids are watching you do this so that your bedroom is a screen-free place, so that you're not bringing your phone to the table. And then the last one is set up guardrails, limit apps. This is just, I'm just giving you permission. As a parent, be a parent. Walk with them. You're training your kids with how to do this. Okay, we got to wrap up. Um, last thing I want to say, though, to parents. I know some of you, you can't wait for the sermon to end so that you can go to your middle schooler and snatch that phone away. You know, you're like, give it to me, Steve said. Okay, I get it. I know. <laughs> but before you do that, what is more powerful than the rules that you set, what is more powerful than what you say, you know this, is what you do. And your kids, and your kids are watching you. We did an anonymous survey, some of you might remember this, with our students, and we just said, fill in the blank, it's anonymous, no one will know. Um, but fill in the blank, I wish my parents knew. I wish my parents knew. And a lot of these students talked about not only the way they use technology, but about the way you as parents use technology. And here's what one student said. We see you're on your phone just as much as we are. So they're watching. Because remember, this is not just a student issue. This is an all of us issue. Remember where we started? This is not a technology issue. This is a spiritual issue because everyone is formed by something and this is playing a role in how you and I are being formed. So let me ask, how is it forming you? Or let me say something different. How does God want to transform the way that this is forming you? And so our pastors across the campuses, 12th Stone Home, they're going to step up but right before they do, maybe the invitation from God is a few practical things that we already talked about. Maybe one thing is simply just putting your phone to bed outside of your bedroom so that the phone's not the first thing that you see in the morning, so it doesn't determine your priorities. Maybe it's turning off notifications so that you control your phone. Your phone does not control you. Maybe there's some limit to social media that God was just leaning in today. Whatever he's calling you to do, I would and just say yes to him so that we let God transform the way that we use these devices. And so pastors, would you wrap up our day? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.